This is Kelly. This is Jen. This is Heather. And you're listening to Whiskey Cats. Yay! <laughs> In this episode of Whiskey Cats, we taste a bottle of old Potrero, discuss breakfast whiskey, baking whiskey, and learn how to make a proper Irish coffee. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. It's cold here. We're all so cold here. We're all tan. A little tan. Tan and freckly. I didn't get tan. How did you get tan? (laughs) Maybe we're just imagining it. It felt like tan. True. Tan times. True. Yeah, after lying around in a pool, you would expect to get tan. We We spent a lot of time floating on pool noodles in Southern California, and it was lovely. It was lovely. We were in Palm Springs. We did a lot of drinking. We did a lot of drinking. By the pool. In the pool. In the pool. Next to the, in pool. the pool. Around in the pool. Around the pool. <laughs> in proximity into of the, the pool. pool. <laughs> into the hot tub from the pool. <laughs> it's, like a, it's a really stressful week. <laughs> it's like Alcoholic Olympics with the pool. Yeah. With floaties. With floaties. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it was lovely. Good. Highly it was recommended. Time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For all. Yeah. We tried really, really hard. We had great expectations to actually record a Whiskey Cats episode by the pool, but we were so busy floating in the pool that it never actually happened. It was a brutal schedule. It was. Brutal. Mm-hmm. Floating is really time-consuming. Mm-hmm. And Although we did attempt, we tried one night to find a whiskey we did. to talk about. We plugged it into Google Maps, <laughs> liquor store, <laughs> multiple locations. <laughs> And we walk in, and we walk in, and we were faced with this, like, bottom shelf, I mean, whiskey that we would totally drink, but, you know, uh, Elijah Craig, um, there's a bottle of Maker's Mark, there was, there was a bottle of, what else is there? It there was were, like, six stuff. types of Jack Daniels, no, oh, yeah. Jim Beam? No, well. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of Jim Beam. And Jack Daniels, they make, like, mm-hmm. 800 types Ugh. of whiskey these days, yep. so... We this were on the right. hunt for a California. We were like, "Let's, we're here. Let's try something local." Mm-hmm. No, which I was a little disappointed in you, Whiskey Cats listeners. We had asked you via the Twitter if you had any California recommendations for us, and I don't think anyone got back to us. It makes mm. me think that you don't listen to us, so I'm sad. Sometimes <laughs> they do. They're just shy. Okay, They're shy. So we did ask the guy, and he gives us this look. We're like, "Do you have anything local or just regional?" I mean, I would have taken like an Arizona, you know, Absolutely. Southwest. Absolutely. And he looks at us and he just goes, uh, "California doesn't really do whiskey." Like, if you want a Kentucky bourbon, like he kind of mansplained to us for yeah. a second there. <laughs> We're like, We're like, no, yeah, we, we, we know Kentucky. Yeah. Kentucky Pretty bourbon. familiar with with dear old Jim. Yeah. <laughs> So we hightailed it out of there and... Oh, wait. Well, with, we a bought, of, with a bottle of, of, of Jim Beam yeah. white label. <laughs> yeah. Because at least we needed something. Right. And a <sighs> bottle of ginger ale. Right. To wash it down with. Right. <laughs> <laughs> While we're watching a marathon of Bob's Burgers. <laughs> it was good times. It was good times. So, but then these two left California. Sadly. And mm-hmm. I stayed sadly. because uh, my family lives out there. And I was determined to find something. So um, I went to BevMo... Uh, good old Bevmo, Southern California, on Mills Road in Ventura. And a lovely gentleman helped me. So I actually walked in, and there's a whole local craft distillers section 
that was pretty interesting, but there was no bourbon or whiskey or anything. There was some gin, which I did buy, but that's for a different podcast. <laughs> and uh, I asked, it, my, actually, actually, it was my mother who tracked down the gentleman, and she was like, my daughter <laughs> does this whiskey podcast. <laughs> could you could you help her find something local? Shout out to Deborah Goss. <laughs> so uh, he pointed me to the locked case of whiskeys. Ooh. Locked case. And he said they had some old Potrero. And this, I must tell you, just looking at it, is the most beautiful label. It's, it's really it's beautiful. so yeah. pretty. It we'll have pretty. a picture of it on and our it Tumblr. It has a little copper still with an anchor, which like really speaks <laughs> to my New England roots. Yep. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> so I was very happy, and I said sold. Well, actually, before that, he tried to, you know, not like overselling, but he tried to tell me about it a little bit, and he goes... I really enjoy this a lot. He goes, I, I, it's, it tastes like um, cinnamon raisin toast with burnt crusts. Whoa. And then I said sold. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, so I bought it. It was, um, I think it was $62 um, at the BevMo. I've seen it online for a lot more. Ooh. So Old Potara makes three kinds of whiskeys. Um, they make, they're, and they're all rye whiskeys. This one, um, and I think all of them maybe, is a 100% rye bill. Um, but this actually cannot be legally called a rye whiskey. You'll say you'll see that it doesn't say that on the label at all, um, except that it says what the mash is. Uh, because rye whiskey, legally speaking in the U.S., has to be aged in charred oak barrels. Mm. But this is called an 18th century style spirit. Um, because oh. they the, the the distiller, which we'll get to in a second, actually did try to um, be faithful to original kinds of rye distilling in America and used lightly toasted barrels. That was before they realized that if they kept toasting the barrels, they would get hotter and hotter and it would ignite, ignite in a flame and that would char the char, barrel. Yeah. And so they were using lightly toasted barrels and it's aged about two years. So I have mixed anticipation for this whiskey i think it might be terrible yeah i've read mixed reviews about it online some people are like it's really unique which i think unique is definitely what it's going to be right i think that it's not going to taste like anything we're familiar with great so i'm very curious i'm just amused that they did not realize that putting something on fire like (laughs) under heat for a long period of time might ignite i mean really Patriots, Massachusetts lady. Don't, don't look at me. Like, I wonder what will happen if we keep heat to this for a long period of time. Maybe it would catch on fire. Yep. They came around to it eventually. All sciences and faces. Yes. That's right. Fire hadn't really been invented yet. So. 19th century. United States. <laughs> so so this is made in San Francisco, um, Old Potero. Potero is the neighborhood in San Francisco where the distillery is. Um, make it with a copper still, copper pot still. And um, and they make three kinds. They make this 18th century style. They make a 19th century style, which is actually legally awry. Mm. And they make uh, something Once else. Once they discovered fire <laughs> in the 19th century. <laughs> and is this, did you tell me that this was, uh, this is the Anchor Steam team? Yeah, so apparently, oh. so it is actually hard to find. There are plenty of um, California-made whiskeys, but it's mostly breweries that are doing them, and they're branching out. So this is made by Anchorstein, which most people would be familiar with the beer. And actually, when you look online, um, Anchorstein also makes Westland Distillery. Really? 
So, like, kind of like our last episode where we talked about the family tree and they all kind of branch down to one big trunk. Mm-hmm. Anchor Steam is one of those trunks. <laughs> we have we have our uh, whiskey cat uh, has decided to join us at the bar. Yes, welcome, Amos. Well, can we, we, we left a bar stool for him. Yeah. <laughs> we can totally taste it. So let's go for it. I think this one will be easier to open than last week's monstrosity of glass. <laughs> I liked the background noise. I thought it, was, <laughs> I thought it really added something. Me struggling. <laughs> I think oh. I brought out my tools for that. There we go. That was oh, nice. Uh, can I have your glasses, please? Yeah. Does that have a smell out of the bottle? Yes. It's It's strong. It's a really beautiful color. It's kind of like an orangey. There's something about the color that is really Yeah, the, the color itself is beautiful. It's like, it's a, like pink, a pink. It's got like a pink tone yeah. to it. It's really, mm. it's, a, it's a pretty bottle. Ooh, it is strong. It does, taste, it does smell like a rye. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> Are you dreading it? I'm this excited. Is, this is our first rye. Oh, oh it is. Cheers. Cheers. Oh. It's so much more mild than I expected. It's it really is. nice. It's really nice. It's sweeter like than it? I expected. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot sweeter than I expected. I'm getting a lot of fruity citrus. I so I'm looking at the flavor wheel from Westland, <laughs> <laughs> which would be even more appropriate for this. I know that's so shocking to me that they're made by the same, or at least you know under the same umbrella. <laughs> so, so like creme brulee to me, it's that it's got that mm, yeah, kind of sweet, like, like almost like creamy, creamy and like slightly burnt, but uh-huh. not, but you know, just like that. That crunch, but in whiskey form, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It smells like well, it's almost like nothing that in the glass. toastiness, you know? It's mm-hmm. the toastiness it is. without being... Yep. I don't know if I would go as far as cinnamon toast crunch with burnt edges. <laughs> yeah. But I can see where he was going. Well, yeah. you know, it tastes... <clears throat> this is a weird thing to say, but it, it tastes a little breakfasty. Yes. Mm-hmm. A it's, breakfast bourbon. A breakfast rye. <laughs> finally. Finally. A breakfast bourbon. Actually, I shouldn't say that. It's not a bourbon, right? Oh, no, right. It's, it's a breakfast, breakfast rye. rye. Breakfast whiskey. Breakfast whiskey. Thank God. In the 18th century style. So, you know, they're drinking their, drinking their rye in the morning. Well, they need something to keep warm because they haven't figured out how to make fire. <laughs> Sorry. I'll, I swear I'll let it go at some point tonight. <laughs> want a breakfast to be which is like kind of sweet i'm serious though kind of sweet like you want your sort of vanilla toasted cereal or like your waffles with you know some sort of fruit on it oh my god this like can i make this into a syrup to put on my waffles yes that would be amazing no no (laughs) no i'm just kidding (laughs) like yes please do that but i but i know what you're saying like it is it, it is that like it's that sweet Maple mm-hmm. In fact, so to bring it back to California, which I forget if you tweeted this or not, but um, so when I was in when I was staying in California, my mom has been listening to us, and uh, she was like, "I got a recipe for us to make. It was apple fritters with a whiskey glaze, and it's a oh, breakfast food. It's really whiskey it, uh, apple donuts, right? She's got little donut rings. I mean, they're baked though; they're not um, fried. And you know, you make it, and it, they're actually super easy. It's sort of like a um, what's that? What's that cooking show with the uh, semi homemade cooking? I don't know that show. <laughs> I don't know that show. Oh my god! Really? <laughs> Tell me more. Oh god! It's this lady who like 
she she was sort of born in a um like a tower, like a princess tower, <laughs> and then came down one day and realized she goes, they sell baking uh, like muffin mix straight in the grocery store. I can do so many things with that, and it, you know, it's like she sort of discovers the wonders of the store. Anyway, that's not at all what the show is about, but that's what basically what the description should be. So. <laughs> To make donuts. Does she let down her hair to like <laughs> just pull up ingredients? Sandra, Sandra, Sandra. I want to say Sandra D. Is that like the grease thing? <laughs> yes. yes. But it is Sandra something. Sandra. I'll look it up. Uh, yeah, Google that shit. Um, I'm on it. So anyway, the point is that the you make these uh, apple fritters with um, Sandra Lee. Sandra Lee. Thank you. <laughs> Sandra Lee's semi homemade cooking. Uh, the whole point is that you make this with um, canned. Pie, apple pie mix? Look at her. She's a princess. Oh, yeah, totally. You guys should watch that show. It's, it's hilarious. It's a hilarious show. And uh, I don't know where I was going with that. But, yeah, <laughs> but you, can make, you can make these donuts with, like, you make it with the, the pie mix, so it's mm. really easy to make. You basically oh, just okay. pour it in pie and mix. mix it with some flour and blah, blah, blah. Super like easy. Like the apple pie mix, like an apple pie filling? Yeah, apple, okay. pie, apple pie filling. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and then you make it the whiskey glaze with just whiskey and um, powdered sugar. Stir it up, That's pour amazing. it on. So I think that this whiskey, <laughs> this rye whiskey, would make a really good glaze, like you were saying. Yeah, you know, for your waffles, make a start for your waffles. Yeah. Like this would be really, really good. In like, put a little powdered sugar in it, pour it over yep. any baked good. Yes, I agree. I agree. Yeah, it's definitely of the sweet baked side of things, and and definitely not what I was expecting at all from that description. No, no, no. I also think the nose is terrible. The nose makes me think yeah. that I'm going to hate this. Yeah, the nose and even, is It makes so me deceptive. not want to inhale as I'm drinking. You uh-huh. know how, like, you want to get that fume in there. Yep. It's almost medicinal. It, I mean, it's yeah. very... It's, I mean, it yeah. smells like a rye. It is... Yeah. But the taste is very different. And see, now that I've tasted it, I'm getting a lot of maple on the nose. Mm. I like it very mm. much. Yeah, I'm very surprised by this. And I, I do think it's unique... And yeah, thumbs up to this. Yep. Yeah. I'm so glad we didn't hate it. Yeah. I know. <laughs> See, the Patriots knew what they were doing. <laughs> um, they I couldn't never, keep themselves please. warm. I never but... <laughs> questioned that the Patriots didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> However. Um, should we try it with a little splash of water? Sure. Yeah. Splish me. Splish. Oh, it brings out the rye. It brings out the rye in the nose, for sure. Less medicinal, more. I'm trying to place this. I don't know what their word except rye. <laughs> it's hard. Rye is hard. Rye is hard. <laughs> Remember how last episode? No, it's terrible, right? It's, it's terrible, terrible with, with water. water. So oh, I think well, much, oh. much like the Westland. Mm, no. no, not the Westland. The Johnny Drum, which we put water in it, yeah. and it killed the sweetness. Yes. It kills all the, the sweetness, sweetness out of it. And, and all it... that's left is medicine. Ugh. Oh, I don't like that. No. Okay, don't. Don't put water in it. Don't, don't put water. Put, don't, don't put, put rocks. Don't mm-hmm. put anything in this. Drink this neat. Yep. Oh, wow. That is not good. So we, also, we need like a, um, here. I'm going to pour this out. Is that terrible? <laughs> no. No. It's just not good. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, little whiskey. But I was going to say that, um, so remember last recording when we were talking about leather and mm-hmm. what yeah. that as a, yep. as a taste or a smell, and like to me, 
I still, I, I'm still not sure that I can identify the taste of it, but this smells like, it smells like a leather jacket, almost. The more that I hear like, you talk about it, I can't, I'm afraid <laughs> to smell it. I'm going to pour myself some fresh, yeah. unadulterated. No, I just still smell rye. <sighs> Sorry. It smells a little different to me with the water. It, it smells different to me. And maybe I'm making that up, but like, <laughs> it's still, it's gross. Yeah, Here, right. Here, deposit. Right. There's no need that to glass. suffer through. <laughs> oh, Portero, you're good just how you are. Just your own. <laughs> I love you just the, the way, way you are. are. Don't, don't change. <laughs> don't, don't change. You do you, Portero. You do yeah, you. Yeah, I don't like, I don't think this is a mix-in whiskey. This is not maybe a cocktail whiskey. Huh. It's a straight up. Bacon whiskey. Bacon whiskey. <laughs> yeah. And kind of a sipping whiskey. I mm-hmm. would sip on this. Yeah. I mean, I would try not to inhale as I was <laughs> sipping it. <laughs> I may be influenced by a beverage that I had earlier tonight, but I might put a cherry in this. Mm-hmm. I feel like that might work. I can see that. Because yeah. cherries have like that deep sweetness to them. Or you know, what sugary. I, right. What I really want to do is soak cherries in this and mm-hmm. then eat them. Mm. Can yeah. We do, can we do that right I now? I want to do that. Do you when is it cherry season? <laughs> <laughs> Not today. Oh, you know that thing I made last fall yes. in the cast iron skillet? You yes. were here, but I made, I forget, it has, it's the French name. I forget what they're called. Amazing Top. French cherry baked good. Amazing French cherry baked So I'll make that again. And it's it's basically like a, a little, like a cherry cake that you make in your cast iron skillet. Um, for breakfast. For breakfast. Oh my but God. But if you make it and you soak the cherries, like we yeah. have to hit all those cherries. If you soak them in this whiskey first and then bake the You're cake. You're doing that oh my god what's happening oh god it was so good I'll this that's what wedding. this i want to <laughs> i want to eat this in a cherry yeah all right many use yeah great job old portero you like california whiskey came through for us <laughs> at the last minute the i found it minute. also it was the last day of my vacation and i was about to start packing and it was nine o'clock at night and i was like mom <laughs> <laughs> i totally forgot to go look for whiskeys because we have all these other things to do when i'm home yeah. like eat tacos and go to the pier Build shelves. Build shelves, right. I did build. So I actually bought my, uh, built my mom bar shelves, and now she has a place for her wine glasses. It's adorable. Lovely. Yeah. Um, and she was like, well, we could go to the whiskey store across the street, or the whiskey store. <laughs> That's all they are to me now. Why didn't you store. tell me this before? <laughs> to the liquor the store. <laughs> to the liquor store across the street. And I was like, all right, great. So we'll go walk across the street. And she goes, this is where your grandfather used to buy his whiskey all the time. Aww. I was like, what? You never told me that? This place has been there forever. I never knew that. <laughs> Amazing. So I did take a picture of that. Um, and uh, But they didn't have any California. And so we were like, well, let's go to BevMo, which is just so it's like a block and a half away. And I'm like, do you want to just walk down? And she goes, let's drive. And I'm like, we are so in California. <laughs> <laughs> so we go get her car. We drive to BevMo. <laughs> we went to Trader Joe's too. And Trader Joe's had some interesting stuff that I would like to try, but no California whiskeys. Mm-hmm. But um, BevMo was definitely, they were the winner. Yeah. Good job. I think we've had a good string of West Coast mm-hmm. alcohol. Definitely. What we really need is a DC whiskey distiller. Uh, Green Hat. Is I think they've bottled or they barreled their whiskey, and so it's just a matter of years waiting it out. Waiting it out. Yep. Right. I mean, there's that. There's well, this isn't DC. It's Virginia, but the um, the Copper Fox. Yeah. Well, Copper, Copper Fox, Fox and Catoctin, but also the um, you know Mount Vernon, oh, yeah, George yeah, Washington's yeah. recipe. Ooh, but all of those yeah. are. Eh. <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> I want to try it, but it sounds terrible. Yeah. I'm sure it will be terrible. Well, well, I don't know. Maybe he makes his rye like a. 
it's mostly moonshine so far. They've only mm-hmm. just started it up again. And so I had, I had yeah. some of the first, this is probably a conversation for another episode, but, um, I had some of their first, their first bottling and it, t- it was like so raw that it tasted like tequila. Mm. Very, very harsh. Well, and you just had the, the one eighth. Yeah. Moonshine. Yep. So they're clearly going to barrel that and right. age it. Well, this makes me, so I want to, I want to hold, well, obviously we're going to hold on to this. I'd like to save a little bit until we can do a comparison to the rise from Catoctin. Mm. And then we also have an Oregon rye that we brought back mm. from our Seattle trip. Um, it might be interesting to do a little rye comparison mm-hmm. in a, in an upcoming episode. Well, I really enjoyed last week when we did the um, Four Roses versus the Johnny Drum, because (laughs) you were right. I mean, I didn't really taste that distinct difference until... I actually was just thinking, like, I kind of want to use it, like, as our, like, as (laughs) my my bellwether for every, but I'm, but I'm resisting. Your control. Because this is actually really nice, and I don't, you know, I don't want to, right now, I don't want to drink anything else. No, it's it's lovely. It's a great whiskey. We will, we will eventually just have to dedicate an episode to Four Roses. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 Well, Love you know, we should... in our hearts. Always in our hearts. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, when I finish this bottle, I'm going to keep it on my bar forever, because that's how pretty it is. It's beautiful. It's a gorgeous bottle. I almost wish you could, like, keep the color. The color. The color yeah. is beautiful. That's really important. It's like and that the, pinkish... And, the, and the way that they... I'm sorry, I'm going to get really graphic design, like, art directed nerdy, but, like... The way that they've um, contrasted or, or compared, um, I don't know, oh, stupid words, um, the navy in the bottleneck just complements yeah. the, the mm. pink in the whiskey so well. I just it's like perfect. Yeah, it's very well packaged. You could probably make a liquid of that color. I'm serious. I'm not even kidding. Like a tea or something. Like a tea. Yeah, it looks like a uh, a dark rose tea. Because it's really lovely. Okay, well, we'll worry about that when we drink it all. (laughs) Let me help you do that So should we look at the mailbag? Oh, there it is. Yes, we got mail. We got an email. <laughs> Very excited about it. Um, so for those of you who don't want to call in and record your whiskey memory or whiskey first whiskey memory or whiskey story, feel free to email us instead and uh, we'll read it on on the air. Um, and again, our email address is whiskeycatspodcast at gmail.com. You can just tell us how much you love us or yeah. how much you love Jen's laugh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) Um, But this email is from Jacob, and he says that, like most of you, it took a while for me to finally come around to whiskey. I started with vodka and stayed with it for a while. Uh, He discovered whiskey by way of the Manhattan in the old fashioned, excellent, Mm -hmm. when I was attending bar in 2000, 2001. And, um, he said that my love for whiskey and baseball are the only two things that I haven't changed in all that time. <laughs> um, and my affection for whiskey is similar to my approach to coffee. I love good coffee, but I'm not a snob. I'll drink cheap stuff. Whiskey is a reflection of my worldview and who I see myself as, 
as a person, someone who is comfortable in the diviest of dive bars or the fanciest or the fanciest of cocktail parties. Whiskey is a little black dress. I can drink it straight and with purpose at a punk show or sip it from a cocktail glass in a Manhattan, though I prefer them on the rocks. It's, prefer, it's perfect for a nice even, evening buzz all night for socializing at a cocktail party or for a relaxing evening at home, watching the big game with Coke on a patio with ginger ale and kids' birthday parties, flask. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Excellent. Um, he says... While I've spent most of my life drinking bourbons and Canadian whiskeys, I've only recently discovered the beauty of a good scotch, and maybe I'll try Irish whiskeys next. Hmm. Okay, I love this email for so many reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can I say my reason first? Yes. Because I feel like Jake was like, uh, whiskey, I identify with whiskey in my worldview, I drink it 24-7. <laughs> at all occasions, at all times. <laughs> Here's how you can Cheers drink it. Cheers to that. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers to that. <laughs> I love that he, <laughs> he. I love that he he recognizes that some cheap whiskey is great whiskey. Mm-hmm. Like, let's talk about Old Granddad and how yeah. cheap it is, and it's still the best bourbon that exists. Mm-hmm. I love that he is confident enough in his manhood to refer to it as the little black dress. <laughs> I love that he can break it down into any scenario. I love this email. And I love that he even emailed us, so. And I love that he brings flasks to kids' parties. Yes! Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, we, we feel you, and we respect you. It's kind of the only place a flask is truly appropriate. Yeah. Also a wedding, let's recall. And weddings. Yes. Yes. Weddings are key, definitely. So, but we had, um, we had another person, I guess, I don't know. Call in, write in. Write in. Yeah. So um, my friend Kat, she's a, she's a brilliant seismologist living in Utah, and um, but she struggles with alcohol in Utah because it is difficult to find. Um, and she she's never been super comfortable with whiskeys. But after listening to us, which I love, she decided <laughs> that she wanted to try it and, and branch out a little bit. Aww. And so I sent her to her. I said, go to your local liquor store and tell me, you know, and I gave her a list of things that I thought she should try to find. She, I told her to start with a bourbon. Mm-hmm. Because I think, first of all, they're delicious. And I thought that for her it would be the most accessible uh, whiskey. And she she texted me a photo of the, you know, I, I told her, I said, you know, old granddad, because it's cheap and really phenomenal. Uh, Jim Beam white label. I gave her a couple, like four roses if she wanted to spend a little bit more money because four roses is wonderful. So she, she texted us um, a photo of her local shelf and I think this is like after three stops trying to find a liquor store with the most selection okay well she found a good one this, there's yeah, there's good. some good options here it, right it's not bad so let's so let's talk about it so we're gonna put this on the tumbler for sure so we've got Elijah Craig we've got some we've got the bullet which is fine mm-hmm. solid bullet, bourbon bourbon solid. And, and, and the rye and the rye so the bullet the bourbon is the orange label which I think bullet rye is the reason why I don't really enjoy <clears throat> ryes I hate the bullet rye but mm. bullet bourbon and, well, is, is fair. So. And as a rye drinker, mm-hmm. I don't like bullet rye necessarily either. The oh, most. Okay. Well, Katakin still makes my rise. favorite rye. Okay, so um, so in Salt Lake City, here's what's uh, here's what's available, right? So they've got 1792, which I've actually never had. Elijah Craig, fine, whatever. I wouldn't really start there. Bullet bourbon and rye. 
Um, the Knob Creek Rye, which I have never... I've never had the rye. I've never had the rye. It looks like the bourbon is next to it, though. And Knob Creek bourbon is a solid... It's a solid Have on your bar kind of thing. Right. I've never had Gentleman's Jack. It kind of just feels like a marketing gimmick to me. It does. Even the label is just like... Old Forester, not worth your time to me. Jack Daniel's fine for a Jack and Coke. Right. If you're on a ski mountain, great. Go for it. Um, Which in Salt Lake City. Then there are like seven. <laughs> yeah, I know, maybe. Then there are 7,000 Jim Beams. Yeah, there like, are. There are. Um, which I still, out of all of those, would say stick to the white label. I was, seriously, there's no reason to drink any of that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. drink Jim Beam white label or drink something else. There yeah, are so many other options. And then you're getting down to the bottom shelf. So and there's like an Evans, Evan Williams, um, which I would say, you know, maybe, maybe you go for the Evan Williams. But if you're um, if you're a noob to the to the yeah, whiskey land, yeah. I think you want to stay mid shelf because yeah, you want true. quality, but you don't want to spend a ton of money in case it turns out that you don't like it. Well, and so we've got the other side of the shelf. Right, second photo, um, Dickel, terrible. Mm-hmm. Sorry, can't stand it. <clears throat> Hudson, oh, they got the baby bourbon. Hudson baby bourbon. <laughs> I just don't. We tried Hudson in a yeah. in a whiskey tasting <clears throat> that the three of us did with um, Kelly's husband last year. And we all thought that we were going to love the Hudson, and we all hated it. We yeah. all hated it universally. And part of what makes Hudson a little different is that, so so what makes a bourbon a bourbon is like 51% or more of, of corn, right? So they are 100% corn, and I think that may be part of the Reason issue, because like you can tell <laughs> that you are drinking 100% corn mm-hmm. whiskey when you drink that. Um, and I just don't, I mean, it's a tiny bottle, and I struggled Mm-hmm. To deplete that bottle in my home. <laughs> like, I think I would say that if you were a new whiskey drinker, I would skip that entirely yes. and I would drink some other stuff. But in maybe a year, come back to it and give it a try just yeah. just for the sake of trying it. Right. It's like an interesting, interesting end member. It's yeah. an interesting end member, right? Like, like you know, as a, it's notable as unique in the bourbon world as 100% corn. Yeah. yeah. But and the bottles, super cute. It's the bottle is adorable. I mean, you want to love it because the bottle's so cute. But ugh, it's just not okay. So then there's a bunch of High West up in the in the corner, which I believe, Cat, you're gonna have to like call me the minute you hear this and no, tell I me. I think that's and I think it's what she got. Oh, great! Oh, so we're great. gonna get a report from her. Um, um, <clears throat> we're gonna do a Skype interview with Cat and find out all about it because she is Excellent. hilarious and wonderful. Well, because and then I really a- like um, I really like the High West Campfire. Um, it is very smoky. It's kind of scotch-like. Mm. Um, and I've had a couple of their other ones, because they have actually a really wide range of whiskey, which uh, astonishes me. Um, I think I've had their bourbon, and I think I've had an, uh, one of their ryes, and I've been I've been pretty mm. impressed by oh, their... Oh, well, that's nice. We um, should do a High West episode. I would yeah. enjoy that greatly. I would, too. But also, if I may say the next shelf, which is a whole <laughs> slew of uh, wild, wild turkey... turkey. And so I thought about this recently because our friend, John Ulazic, texted me and he said, uh, I just took a shot of wild turkey while I was listening to your episode. And I was like, <laughs> I hadn't thought about that in so long because I used to work in this bar and grill, this like shady bar and grill in Ohio in college. And everybody, that's what everybody drank. That was like the low shelf, like, give me a shot of wild turkey. Yep. Everybody drank it. And so I had this like association of it with like this one thing for so long and it would never occur to me to go now to my snobby liquor store and buy a bottle of wild turkey. But 
I, I haven't had it in 10 years, like well, 15 years. I would love to try it. And that is like, it's solid. I mean, I know that it's solid whiskey, but I it's I think especially so like their, their high end, I can't remember what it's called. I wish, I feel like a slacker. I can't remember. But there is a, there is a wild turkey level that is actually pretty good. When I lived mm-hmm. in Michigan, this is what like the good whiskey drinkers would drink. And it was like, not bad. And so I think whatever their cheap like plastic handle is kind mm-hmm. of gives them a bad name and yeah. it is like like you said with these people like that's just what they shoot but it's got kind of a stigma to it yeah. yeah so we'll add this to our list to to try because i i think there's quality there and mm-hmm. i just wish i could remember what the name of the good we could ask you lasik john tell us what it is and then bottom shelf yeah. you've got one i've never heard of called rich and rare is that what that is <laughs> i was like looking at this r and r label i can't even read rich it. and rare there's a canadian hunter Oh, a Ezra Brook, Canada House, early times in an ancient age. So, so what would you what what would you recommend if um if she didn't get the High West? Yeah, so if you don't get the High West right from this shelf, I would say, you know, if you want a sort of very solid bourbon that you could definitely not feel bad about mixing with stuff and that would do well mixing, I would say go Jim Beam White Label all the way. If you want a little, if you want to try a little bit of sipping whiskey, I would go Bullet Bourbon. Those are my two. You know, it sort of depends on the kind of investment you want to make. So I think Beam is a good a good starter, but but if you think you're probably going to like it, then go for the Bullet and go from there. Cat, let us know what you decided. I can't wait to hear about it. Should we talk about some whiskey news? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a, well, I'll start out with Science Corner. Oh, <laughs> because you know I love to. It's a quick one. So Huffington Post ran a story um, recently for those of us who have colds and or sinus infections, mm. like myself, um, that while there's no cure for the common cold, they wax poetic about why a hot toddy is so lovely when you're feeling ill. And so they are so lovely. They are so lovely. And so a hot toddy is whiskey, honey, lemon juice, and water. I had one recently. Seismolo- Second seismologist of the episode, Andy Frasetto, <laughs> made me a hot toddy <laughs> this weekend. Uh, and it was so wonderful. It's warm and it made me feel better. But now there is some science. Well, not now. There is some science. Mm-hmm. I say not now because this, the article that, the Huffington Post refers to, um, was written in 1978. So real recent. Right. Definitively saying that hot water relieves nasal <laughs> congestion. <laughs> OMG. <laughs> Literally, they, they link to a story from 1978. Like, we haven't made any progress in 36 years. Um, but also, the so it's not just the hot water that does you good. Um, the whiskey... Uh, alcohol dilates blood vessels a little bit and makes it easier for your membranes to deal with infection. So any of you who are dealing with these winter colds, like me, um, and Kelly last week, um, you know, a hot toddy is clearly the thing for you because of A, hot water, circa Mm -hmm. 1978, B, whiskey. (laughs) uh, The water does not need to be from 1978. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) thank you for clarifying. But it could be, it could be from any time. (laughs) 
It just from, needs to be hot. It just needs to be hot. Thank you, Assistant Goss, yes. for clarifying. Uh, and that's your science corner for whiskey cats. I, I endorse this. I endorse a hot toddy when you're sick. It's wonderful. It's a it's wonderful a good, thing. Or even when you're not sick, when you're like... It's cold out, and you just want to feel warm. Yeah. You live in a drafty 110-year-old house, <laughs> and you'll never be warm ever until the end of time or until June yep. hits. Yep. So, Hot toddies. Yeah. Endorsed by the Huffington Post. And whiskey And whiskey cats. cats. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Well, I have one relevant to uh, our recent escapades in California, which is a an AP article, uh, lovely, punningly titled, Cocktails Go Sky High as Airline Spirits <laughs> Options Take Off. <laughs> and this is all about how uh, drink carts on airlines are starting to um, be populated with craft distilleries, uh, which obviously we approve of. Um, and it actually starts out with uh, bourbon drinkers. Um, now I think it's uncommon for me to get on a major airline that doesn't have some sort of craft American whiskey. I'll say, I just got an airline without a Kraft American whiskey, yeah. but that's okay. It actually uses <laughs> Alaska Airlines in here um, quite a few times, which is what we flew to LA and back. But apparently it's been using uh, like Seattle, Washington, uh, like craft beers and wines and things like that. So I saw a Seattle beer. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they yeah. have a Seattle beer. And I also think I, I drank a Washington wine on the way back because I needed some red wine. Um, but apparently, so it's like you can make a cocktail at your... At, at your little tiny little airline desk, um, except it says Alaska your tray table. Yeah, the tray table. It's like Alaska Airlines apparently has um, the recipe on their website because I was like, I didn't remember seeing this. They only have it on their website. They don't keep it on the beverage menu, which oh. I looked at quite you know in yeah. detail. So they have two recipes mm. for a ginger sunrise and a Moscow mule. Mm. But you, so you just order like the ginger beer and, and the vodka, right? And some lime on the side, and you just make it at your little thing. So I wholeheartedly approve, like, they should have some, you know, easy cocktail, you know, like a whiskey ginger. Like, here's how to, you know, order a whiskey and a ginger yeah, ale. They could, put, <laughs> they could put it on, like, the napkins that yeah, they have, right, or, like, in those little great. menus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be so fun. So that would be kind of excellent. And, you know, they were saying that part of the reason is that prices haven't really risen. You know, I mean, I, I paid, I think, $7 for a glass of wine uh, twice. Um, yeah, that sounds about right. It sounds so, about right. And it's not, it hasn't it's not absorbent. It yeah. hasn't gone up for a while. So I think if they started doing craft distilleries, it would have to be like a partnership where they offered them at a discount. But I think that'd be, you know, you look at your little blo- bottle, it's cute. And maybe, maybe you keep it. Yeah, maybe you keep it. So that seems like a great partnership, especially for regional airlines, which like Alaska is like debatably reasonable, but it's definitely <laughs> West Coast regional, right? right? And so they want to advertise their sort of Oregon, Wisconsin, Wisconsin <laughs> Washington, <laughs> whatever region, uh, you know, Washington um, distilleries and craft beers. So that would be great. I hope they start doing that. Yeah. Or even like they can partner with the craft distillers to do the little napkin recipes and like mm. they can print them up and like get more people to buy their whiskeys or craft distillery. It would be great. So, you know, any craft distiller listening to us, Mm -hmm. get on that. I mean, those long hauls, (laughs) like, that's the thing about Alaska, particularly because they offer those nonstops. Those are six-hour flights, man. Like, what do I have to do except make cocktails? Right. And get drunk in in, on your uh, airplane. Mm Mm-hmm. Watch How to Train Your Dragon, too. Okay, I don't know if this is going to make it in, but I have to point out that at the end of this article, it talks about how they have two, they had in-air tastings for Alaska Air for wines, and they, like, 
decided that that reds needed to be a little sweeter and more oak presence and whites needed to be sweeter and less acidic than if on the ground. Like, mm-hmm. did they do a you're on the ground, drink this, you're in the air, drink this experiment? That's so fascinating. Oh, well, I'm sure they did because, I mean, it's just like space, like your taste buds completely change when yeah. you were in the pressurized cabin. That's so, so interesting. Yeah, I've, I've, I've read about that before. And I thought it was interesting that just the way that he phrased that how he was doing, like, this is about wine, but he goes, you know, the sugar or the acidity needed to be balanced. And I'm like, how do you balance that once the wine is made? Like, are they dumping yeah. sugar in? Like, how, there has yeah. to be a better way to do that, right? Or are they just choosing wines that have, have a, more sugar? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that we weird. need to have our own taste test. Taste test for yeah, our yes. next trip, clearly. Okay. All right. Add That's it to fine. the calendar. Great. Okay, Rand. So I thought this was a really great. So it doesn't necessarily have to do with whiskey exclusively, um, but this is an article on Talking Points Memo called History, Sugar, and Sex, Why Mixed Drinks Were Terrible for 30 Years. <laughs> and I think we all know that in the growing in the, up in the 90s and the 2000s, didn't know what whiskey mm-hmm. was or a nice mixed drink. It was all TGI Friday's mudslides and oh, slippery nipples and sex on the beach and all the horrible names for mixed drinks and shots you can possibly imagine. And the Cosmos. No, don't and, forget the Cosmos. And <laughs> most importantly, the Cosmos. Um, so this article is actually really great. It goes into a lot of history of just booze drinking in general, saying that, you know, pre going all the way back to prohibition and pre prohibition saying that before prohibition bourbon was actually really good because there was a lot of laws regulating like what could go in the bottle and that that helped actually regulate and um, unify the taste of what bourbon was and so then prohibition came along and then basically it was anyone for themselves so you had to make your own hooch or like buy it off of a moonshiner there was no quality control and you just sort of drank what you drank because you wanted some booze Hmm. um And they're saying that um, coming off of Prohibition and even into like the 40s, 50s and 60s, that people preferred Canadian liquor because it was easier to get over the border and they were more used to it because of Prohibition than it was just sort of what you drank was Canadian liquor and Mm. Canadian whiskey. Um, And also within that time, they said um, they blend Canadian whiskeys really blend made a blend and blended down their whiskey. So it wasn't so much whiskey and they could extend their stock for a lot longer. Mm-hmm. And so they were able to make more money off of it. Um, and so people were like, you know, what was it? Seagram sevens and like the seven, seven, seven drinks came about because of that to sort of like mask that flavor. Um, and then in the sixties is, was when vodka sort of started to come up on the rise and because people were getting used to more of the diluted flavor of liquor because of the blended, um, blended Canadian whiskeys. Um, and they were saying that in the sixties, there was one bar in San Francisco where, um, this one guy sort of figured out to try and get more people to come and drink that, and especially to get women to come and drink they didn't want to like sit in a dark bar with like no windows and like at a BFW hall or <laughs> shocking, you know, shocking, you know, kind of found it scary. And so he really made his bar very um, atmospheric and friendly and open with like lots of light and lots of windows and started catering to like bland tastes to try and get women to come in and drink. Um, and that sort of was the uprise of the sugary sweet drinks of then the 80s, 90s, and early 1000s. Uh, yeah. 
But that was the taste of the time, I guess, right? I mean, ugh, gross. I feel like there's a whole <laughs> women were taught to like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. they shouldn't like strong drinks, yep. and it's you know, yep, feminism, yeah. right? And that's <laughs> yeah, that's what they thought they were supposed to like. Yep. Mm. Um, and then they obviously talk about Carrie Bradshaw and Cosmopolitans. Yep. So, but now we're coming out of it. We're coming out of the mudslide era. <laughs> coming out of the Cosmo era. Thank into God. Now we're just getting how women are drinking all the whiskey and depleting all the stocks. <laughs> sorry. How dare we? Yeah. How dare we? Sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> at all. Um, so yeah, it was a, it's, a, it's an interesting read. It was a good history. I learned some things. Where'd you read that? Talking Points Memo. Heather, you were when you were in California. You got you visited your mom, mm-hmm. and you got her to. Uh, I got her to make some traditional Irish coffees for me because uh, she listened to our first episode, <laughs> and you know she she loved it. She sent me a text saying, "Great job, great job, love you, love you dearly." Uh, we're also going to have a lesson on Irish coffees when you come home. I totally, totally it when we talked about it the first time. So fair enough. We um, we got some uh, we got some whiskey. Well. Uh, we didn't get some whiskey. Right. We got some whiskey from her bar and uh, got some coffee and we made some traditional Irish Irish coffees. Um, she tells us how to make them uh, and the differences that can be between certain Irish coffees. We did a little taste testing. So um, right. so she's going to tell us how to do that. Awesome. We're here in my mother's kitchen. I'm in California right now in Ventura uh, and mother is here and she's going to tell us exactly how to make a perfect Irish coffee. So why don't you tell us about um, what you need, what you need. We have a bunch of ingredients laid out here, which I took some pictures of. The ingredients are very basic. Uh, Irish whiskey. Mm-hmm. Okay. And tonight we're using Bushmills. Do you have a preference? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Just whiskey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and sugar. And I like it with brown sugar. Mm-hmm. But you can use regular sugar. You okay. can. I grew up with the regular sugar, and then I discovered it, brown sugar, and I thought it just gives it a fuller taste. Okay. And uh, coffee, strong coffee, and whipped cream. All right. And we have the That's coffee uh, brewing. Well, we're going to make it in a French press, and so we have it boiling right now, which you can maybe hear in the background. It's probably going to whistle in a minute. Um, and we have... Uh, some traditional Irish coffee cups um, laid out, and these are from our family. That's right. These are Irish coffee glasses uh, that were given from your grandmother to uh, from your great grandmother to your grandmother. Oh, well, they're beautiful, and um, I have a couple in my house as well. But most of them are here with my mother, so we're going to use those, and we're going to assemble some, and she's going to teach us how to do that. So, is there anything we have to do to prep once the coffee's ready? No, once the coffee's ready, we are ready to go. Okay. We also have our green straws here. That's very important to have a, <laughs> a green straw, and you buy the bendy ones, and you cut off the bendy part, so it's the perfect size to fit in the glass. <laughs> okay, so, t- so narrate as you're going along here. All right. Well, I'm, going to, I'm using brown sugar, 
and you take a teaspoon of brown sugar, put it into your Irish coffee glass, and then you take your shot of Irish whiskey, pour that on top of the sugar, Stir it around, try and dissolve the sugar, and then you pour the coffee in. And this is not a full hot toddy. You wouldn't make this in a coffee cup. It's just a little bit of coffee. It's almost maybe three to one. Yes, that's, that's good. Yes, I'd say three to one. Then you top it off with some real whipped cream. Ooh, and it starts to melt right away, get all creamy in the glass. Yes. Stick your little straw in. Thank you. Ooh, it's hot. That's why they have these nice stems here to hold it. Oh, yeah. Nice, <laughs> right, perfect for your thumb. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Mom. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> so sweet. Got that nice keg of whiskey right in the end there. Mm. And it just gets creamier. Do you want me to make one with regular sugar so you can see if there's a difference? I would. So we're going to taste test. So we made one uh, with the brown sugar, and now she's going to make one with the white sugar. And this is this is a nice organic sugar, but really I grew up with just regular household sugar. Yep, so. bacon sugar. Boy, you're gonna have to kill off all these coffees, Mom. <laughs> I think we'd be able to. <laughs> yeah, we were trying these, and I, we noticed one of the differences not just the flavor, but that, um, like you were saying, the the brown sugar melts much better with the whiskey and the coffee, and where the the white sugar stays grainy and you actually get grains and it's it's just not smooth mm -hmm. where the the brown sugar really is a nice smooth taste yeah I thought that was just because I you know dove right in and took a sip right after you had finished it but uh but it really it sticks around like that white sugar just doesn't mm -hmm. really melt the way the brown sugar does um, so you were telling me uh what made you switch from white sugar which is what you know, you knew about growing up to brown sugar. I went to a Celtic festival in Virginia many, many years ago. And that was a lot of fun. And they had this one big tent where you could do whiskey tasting. And that, was, <laughs> that was really my first whiskey tasting. That was interesting. They had a nice big map and they would tell you where all these whiskeys came from and what was different about them, about the the agriculture that was grown there and so very cool yes and and then of course there were booths where you could uh, buy irish coffee and <laughs> that's where they were making it with brown sugar and that was the i thought that was so unusual and i asked them you know if that was normal for them they said that's how they had always done it <laughs> so it was new to me and i could tell the difference and i noticed i changed the way i made it after that Fantastic. Well, thank you, Virginia. <laughs> for so of all many, places. For so many things. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, let's just get drunk.
Well, we have a couple of Irish coffees to down. <laughs> we sure do. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of Whiskey Cats, and a special thank you to Heather's Mara for teaching us the proper way to make an Irish coffee. You can find us online at whiskeycats.com, subscribe to us at iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and email us your whiskey stories at whiskeycatspodcast at gmail.com, or call us and tell us your whiskey story at 202-760-2009. Until next time, cheers. In your ear, I'm wild about that thing. It makes me laugh and sing. Give it to me, Pa.